Hello, creative strategists. Thank you so much for tuning in again today for another episode with yours truly, Star Jerry's. Today, we are going to talk sales. Now, I've been selling products, services, ideas, you name it, since I was a child selling popcorn during recess. Now, I'm an event sales and marketing manager, and my sales role encompasses everything B2B, while my marketing role encompasses the entire brand, B2B and B2C. I want to attack this sales pipeline concept from the perspective of a really focused salesperson. We'll talk business to business, but know that you can adapt these concepts to any sales pipeline based on whatever your target is. But before we get into it, I have to mention reviews. If you like this content and appreciate the information my guest and I are giving you, please, please leave a positive review on the podcast, however you're listening. Your positive reviews help this podcast get in front of more people and help me bring on wonderful guests. But you're not here to hear me talk about reviews, so let's get to the good stuff and learn how to build a robust sales pipeline so you can make some more money. You're listening to The Creative Strategist. I'm your host, marketing and sales expert, Star Jerry's, and I'm here to help you use storytelling, design, and entrepreneurial thinking to develop your brand's voice, boost sales, and stay relevant in an ever-changing marketplace. Join in on my conversations with seasoned professionals and take away best practices to help you forge ahead in your career. Again, I'm Star Jerry's, the creative strategist. Let's get started. Okay, building a sales pipeline. I have to start by saying this is such a numbers game. If you aren't focused on building a solid sales pipeline constantly and you aren't always actively looking for your next customer, you are not going to be successful. Salespeople are hungry. We love the chase almost as much as we love the catch. We don't have the time or the stability to rest on our laurels because there are a million salespeople knocking on your customers' doors. And if you relax thinking you have these key partners, you have lifelong relationships, nothing can touch you, then you put yourself at risk of losing a key account or losing a major deal without something lined up to take their place. And that's a really bad place to be. We need a sales pipeline so we never get ourselves in a vulnerable state or a situation where our partners or our accounts control the fate of our business. All right, so base level, step one, I'm going to bring it back to the starting with why concept. Your why always determines your who. You could sell toothpaste, right? But are you selling toothpaste for little kids or are you selling toothpaste for elderly people with sensitive teeth? very different target markets. You could be selling advertising, but are you selling advertisement for Snapchat, for Sports Illustrated, or for the Disney Channel? You see what I'm saying? So let's pretend we're selling computers. We love to reference Apple around here. You and I both know Apple sells computers and personal smart devices, iWatches, iPhones, etc. Apple sells B2C, which means they sell business to consumer. And they still have a focused who based on their why, but this is a much more broad 
concept than, say, their business team, whose sole focus is to connect with business clientele. And we would call that B2B marketing or business to business, which I spoke to kind of in the intro. Now, in this episode, as I mentioned, we're going to be focusing on B2B sales because generally I find that B2B sales are so much more focused and personalized than B2C sales. And that's primarily because B2B drives more money. It drives more revenue. So there's a little bit more time allocated to that process, a little bit more personal finesse given to those clients. But my why is going to remain the same. To challenge the status quo, to think differently, we're still talking Apple. Why buy a PC when you could buy a Mac? Same why, but the way I build the sales pipeline here is going to change a little bit. Now, you need goals. So after you have that baseline of why and you know your who, now we're going to get into the heavy hitting stuff. We're going to develop your goals. Salespeople oftentimes will get sales goals typically in the beginning of each year. However, you run fiscally, if you run on a year calendar or if you run on a fiscal calendar, you'll get your sales goals and the goal will determine your strategy, obviously. We want to make as much money as quickly as possible. And who you target really affects your revenue. Keep that in mind. So we all need this goal. If you're self-employed or are running the sales component for your business, I really want you to give yourself a goal just like you would for an employee. Pick your timeline around that goal. Your goal needs to be realistic. It needs to be motivated. So realistic doesn't mean we hedge our bets. Realistic means we push ourselves to do as much as we possibly can within the realistic limits and bandwidth of ourselves. Now, if you need help creating these goals, hit up episode four. It's all about smarter goals, and that will really help you get started. Step two, strategy. I like to start my strategy with categories. Even if you're just categorizing by zip code, it really helps break things up and helps you build some sort of organization to get through all the minutiae of sales prospecting so you can kind of see the forest through the trees. Now, categories translate across all platforms, and they do come directly from your who. So I'm just going to dive right in to segmenting with an example that I know about personally, which is sponsorship sales. Now, segmenting or categorization can be seen a lot when dealing with experiential products where you have salespeople working as a team to sell sponsorship for these experiences. So there's an audience who's coming to view the experience. We know that people are going to be in the general vicinity. We want people to sponsor these experiences so they gain access to the audience. So sponsorship lends itself to categorization. It's a great example of this. And we on the team, we would break up our prospects by category. Now I just want to clarify, sponsorship sales is access to an audience. We are selling access to an audience. An example of this would be if I was selling sponsorship for the Super Bowl and I got Toyota to want to be the presenting sponsor, then every time you heard the word Super Bowl, you would then hear presented by Toyota. Sponsorship is everywhere. You just might not notice it. Some examples of title sponsorship would be Quicken Loans Arena, Citizens Business Bank Arena, Target Field. I mean, the list goes on and on, but basically the name of the company is in the title. 
Companies pay a ton of money for these sponsorships, and it's an awesome field. It's very interesting. If you want to learn more about sponsorships specifically, check out episode three with my friend Alex Cuevas. It is all about sponsorship sales. Now, getting back to segmentation, in sponsorship, you'd go after certain categories based on your who, which we've already established. So let's pretend I'm selling tickets to a monster truck show. So my audience is going to be people who are coming to see really large monster trucks run over things, right? And do super cool tricks. My categories might look something like this. Auto companies like Toyota, Chevy, etc. Oil, Pennzoil is a great example of this. Tires like Falcon Tires, maybe insurance, maybe AAA. Car paint, car wrap vendors, energy drinks like Monster. I think you get the idea. So once you have your categories, you can do what's called mining them. You can mine them. And mining your categories simply means digging in and getting started. So researching, cold calling, and following up with potential buyers. I have to say this, and I really want you to hear me. So I'm going to repeat that. I am going to say something very important, and I really, really want you to hear me. If this is the only thing you get walking away from this episode, then great. Prioritize the big fish first. The title sponsors I just listed to you all, those would be my primary focus if I went into work somewhere and they didn't yet have a title sponsor. Because that is huge, huge money left on the table, right? Why would I work 50 times as hard to land 50 little accounts that all equal up to one major account? Why would I not just go for that one major account and put a ton of my focus and effort into that? Lock in that major account for multiple years and bring in the same amount of money that I would if I tried to land 50 accounts. That is so important. I really want you all to monitor your focus and make sure you're going for the big sales. Keep checking back in with yourself. Am I getting lost in all these little things or am I really giving time to the big, big sale? Okay, from there, we have our categories. We have these things kind of set in place. So now it's time to get into the big three. Research, that's number one. Contact, that's number two. And follow-up, that's number three. First of all, research. This is when all the questions pop up. How do I find prospects? Where are all the people at? Who's the major decision maker? There are a million research tools to help you find your contact. If you Google business lead generators, you'll get a really nice list. LinkedIn has a sales solution. That's a concept that LinkedIn has. That's a a great one. Sales Genie is a really big one. Now, I'm not getting paid to advertise these. I'm just familiar with these programs. But the point is, there's automated help out there to alleviate some of your expenditure. These research tools, they can save you hours. So if sales is a big part of your business, get a lead generator. The old school way to do this would be to Google a company that maybe you saw advertising, you were driving on the freeway, you saw them on a freeway sign, or you were at a baseball game, you saw them advertising there. You would get on the phone, you would call headquarters or whatever number that you found through your search, and you would have to figure it out. 
one painful phone call at a time. Now, if you're anything like me, you don't have time for that. And if your company is making you make time for that or they don't already have a research service, really convince them to get one. It is going to be a game changer for you. So that's research. Do the research part hard and fast. Don't get stuck researching. The money is in the contacting and the follow-up steps two and three of the big three. So be strategic. Don't just throw your efforts at anything. That's Research is part of strategy. But don't overthink it so much that you're getting stuck in step one. Hopefully the research software really helps you out with that and you don't run into that too much. Okay, number two, contact. Let's say I have the point of contact or the decision maker because I've done the research, I know who I'm talking to, and I'm getting ready to reach out. I just want to pump the brakes right here and make sure we're set up for success. So before you contact people, you need to set up the following. Templates. Make it easy for yourself. Make some templates. If you need a loose script for calling, for cold calling, write one. Don't think you're above that or that that makes you less of a good salesperson. Make your life easier and take away that stress. If you're worried about fumbling your words when you're on the call, prepare yourself. I think that's great. Also, have a marketing deck or information sheet about your product ready to go. You should be ready to send that after your call. If you're calling and you happen to get on the phone with your point of contact, which is amazing, you get a captive audience on the phone or via email. They respond. If you get to that step and then have nothing to send them afterwards, no information, no way of following up, nothing that looks nice and put together and solid for you to truly open the door to that sales pitch, then you just drop the ball 10 yards away from the end zone. I mean, you need to be able to follow up with something immediately or they're going to forget about you. They have a million other people knocking on their door. So you will just fall right out of their mind and they'll think, oh, one less thing I have to follow up with. Email templates. These are also great. These are a lifesaver. If you are doing inside sales calling or emailing, even if you're doing outside sales, prep a couple of email templates that you can personalize with little easy to make adjustments like changing the name out or the company out and have those ready to go. Something like, sorry, I missed you. I left a voicemail on your machine, but I know how those can fall through the cracks. So I've attached some information about our event for your reference. It's on this day at this time, and we expect this many people to attend. Please give me a call if you're interested in any of our sponsorship opportunities. If I don't hear back to you by next week, I will follow up. Boom. Done. Why would you force yourself to write a new email every time? Oh my gosh, definitely don't do that. That is going to take away so much time that you could be moving on to the next person. Now, I always send an email after I make a call. You might have noticed I said something in my example like, I left you a voicemail, but know how those fall through the cracks. That is so true. Nowadays, people really aren't picking up their phone. They're screening their calls. And when they get a voicemail from someone they really don't want to talk to, they're way less likely to give you a call back. More is more in this case, guys. It's a no-brainer call and then email right after. 
if you feel a little shy about doing this, like, oh, am I bothering them? I, I'm going to encourage you there and say, don't apologize for doing your job. You're a salesperson, right? Contacting and following up with sales prospects is what we do. That is our job. And don't shy away from that. Don't get nervous. It's okay to do your job and you let that contact tell you when to stop. They can always say no and then you say thank you so much and move right along. Now, if you do have their email address, you can add them to an email list and send out periodic interesting emails. They do need to agree to opt into this email list, but once they're in, they're in and that's some form of automation as well for you to get that one extra follow-up in. Now we're already bleeding into follow-up here. We've been talking about follow-up for a couple minutes and that's the next step really. That's step three and it's my favorite step because it is absolutely essential to follow up. This is where I tell you to get one more software piece. If you don't already have a CRM, then you're going to want to get a CRM for keeping track of your research, your contact, and and really to let you know when to follow up so you can set up some tasks or some reminders for future dates. Let me define CRM. I've heard this term misused quite a bit. A CRM is a customer relationship manager. That's what CRM stands for. As defined by Salesforce, one of the largest, most well-known CRMs of all time, A CRM is technology for managing all your company's relationships and interactions with customers, current, and potential customers, that would be future. The goal is simple, improve business relationships. Basically, a CRM helps you organize your customer's information and lets you keep track of how you're communicating with these customers or potential customers. Salesforce is a great one, and there are some really basic CRMs that cost like $10 a month, so you absolutely can have access to a CRM, even if you get something very simple. And here's an example of what you would do with the CRM. So we're going through our big three, right? So one, I research the company, I input that company's info, and then I put my research into the notes under that company's profile that I've now created. I have a contact from there that I found using my handy-dandy research tool, which we have, right? And I'm going to put that contact information into my CRM. Now, I cold call him or her. So now I'm on step two. I'm on contact step, and I leave a voicemail. So I'm going to put a note into the CRM. If your CRM's not connected and doesn't do that automatically, then I would manually input a note that I called Bob right? And I left Bob a voicemail. And then I sent through an email using one of our email templates, make it easy. And then I'm going to input that into the CRM. I emailed Bob. And then I'm going to set up a follow-up time to follow up with Bob. And you'll put the date that you want to follow up. If it's a week or if it's two days, I'll let you kind of feel that out based on, based on what you're selling and kind of your general sales timeline, and maybe even what your boss recommends. The CRM will show you on that date that you've set the reminder that it's time to make another call or send another follow-up email. Easy peasy. Love it. 
and you're going to repeat and repeat and repeat for the follow-up. Follow-up should really be follow-ups. I think I'm going to call this step follow-ups, plural. You need to follow up multiple times to land the sale. That's why I was telling you, don't be shy. Just go for it because this is statistically proven. Let me give you some stats from zoominfo.com. 50% of sales happen after the fifth follow-up. The fifth. The average sales rep only makes two attempts to reach a prospect. Only two. And 44% of salespeople give up after one follow-up. So could you imagine if you didn't shy away from that follow-up, if you were that salesperson who went the extra mile and kept following up or developed some sort of cool touch point with some sort of email list that had really interesting contact where you're just in that client's line of sight and they remember that you exist and they know who you are, you build a rapport with these people and you continue that process and and do your due diligence and follow up with all the people that you've put into your pipeline, you will be so successful. So successful. Anyway, I think those statistics speak for themselves. Enough said. Follow up and let the prospects tell you when to stop. Follow up kind of goes back to goals too. I wanted to bring us full circle. Right back to stage one. You can also have a goal for how many people you're following up with a day. So you have a goal for how many people you're researching per day or maybe on one particular day you do research, on one particular day you do cold calling, on one particular day you do follow-ups. Maybe that's how you want to set it up. But go ahead and give yourself some goals for the week or for the day and really make sure you're doing all those touch points. Make sure you're hitting all of the big three. If you're doing a ton of research, that may take up a bulk of your time. And then your goal for follow-up will be smaller. Or if you're using a research service or a lead generating service and you're just basically calling on leads that are generated or if your boss is handing you leads, then make your goals for cold calling and emailing or that first contact and then your follow-up. Make those goals more aggressive. Really, the sales process and building a sales pipeline, it is all a numbers game. The more people you contact, the more people will funnel themselves deeper into your sales pipeline to where they become good, qualified leads that will turn into closed sales. Now, remember here, every business has a different conversion rate from contact to closing. Some will have really high conversion rates. It may be a lot easier to sell, say, an Apple product than to sell coffee supplies to companies. You'll find this out very, very quickly depending on what you're selling. Every business also has different courtship timeline. Some sales pitches or some sales processes may take a year or two to close. It might be a long courtship. Others may have an average timeline of a month. I mean, it really depends on your business. Now, when I sold sponsorship sales, the courtship lasted a year or more typically. Now that I'm in event sales, the timeline can be anywhere from a week or two to a year or two. Really, it's all over the map. But what I found is that my my courtship timeline in event sales is a lot faster. There's a much shorter conversion timeline in my current role. 
All right, I think I've covered everything, but before I close, I just want to recap everything we learned with a nice, tight summary here. One, always start with your why. Even when building a sales pipeline and working through the sales process, your why is your foundation, so always start there. Then let your why determine your who. That's step two. And you're going to segment your who into categories, and then you're going to mine each category strategically. Which leads us to my third point, to go for the big fish. It is a heck of a lot easier to sell a $100,000 sponsorship than a $1,000 sponsorship. This is true across the board in business. It sounds so counterintuitive, but believe me, it's true. Pursue your big customers first. A lot of times when I talk about this concept, the book, The Magic of Thinking Big comes up. It's written by David J. Schwartz. Read it if you need more convincing to go for the big goal. Then number four, templates. This includes phone scripts, email templates, sales sheets or a sales deck, and collateral. Be ready to rock and roll with those. That'll save you a ton of time. And number five, This is where our big three come in. We're talking research. Research those clients. Get yourself a good lead generation tool, a good researching tool. Then you're going to contact. You're going to contact that client. You're going to call them. You're going to email them. You might even visit them. Take a gift to the office. If you want that client, you go and get them. I mean, be chill about it. Don't be crazy, but get in there. Make it happen. And follow-ups. Plural, remember? Follow up at least six times if you really want them. If you can't personally follow up with people, add them to an email list and send an email to that list once a month or once every two weeks with interesting content that pertains to your business or what it is that you're selling. Well, there you have it, folks. We have made it through our sales pipeline episode The sales pipeline process, it's a long one, and I could expand on this so much more, and maybe I will in another episode. We could talk about how to have backup prospects in case your most interested prospect falls through, how to close the deal, of course, and so much more. So we'll get to that. We have plenty of time together. Remember to reach out to me with any questions or comments that you have, and head on over to starjerrys.com backslash the creative strategist for the show notes. Thank you for listening to The Creative Strategist. Head over to starjerrys.com backslash The Creative Strategist for notes on today's episode, information about upcoming events, or to nominate a guest for the show. Don't forget to leave a review and share this podcast with a friend or colleague. Thanks again for hitting play. See you next time, Creative Strategist.